episode 60 of this developing so this week um this episode is actually coming out a couple days later um, than normally planned on fridays um, due to the fact that i actually flew down to la for the day um, and drove back a car um, just went down and got a car from uh, my grandparents who actually live in la um or the greater la area and um yeah so with that i wasn't able to get an episode together because i had to leave at like 5 a.m or 6 a.m to get to the airport and then then get back until 12 a.m the next morning so um this week code wise um i am getting knee knee deep into linting um I already have a lot of experience with ESLint, so got that set up with the project. Unfortunately, had tons of Lint errors since there was only one developer working on the project prior. Um, it wasn't super high priority, um, so I just cleaned up the entire project um, with ESLint. Also added style Lint, and um, so I haven't cleaned up all the, the style um, edits. But um, yeah, that's like my first pass for all, to eventually get into testing. Um, the project itself, a lot of the JavaScript stuff is tested, um, but the React stuff isn't. So that's what I'll be working on the next, um, probably today. Um, today is actually the weekend, but um, yeah, I might even just like throw that together. It's It's been interesting where I don't think there's one weekend I haven't worked on work code. Um, it's quite different than like where I was with Block. Block I worked on the weekends as well, but I, I spent most of my time learning and doing things to uh, learn things outside of work um, with Netlify, I think it was still at a point where there's just so much to learn that I don't mind taking that learning time on the weekend. Um, it's it's also like a time for me to catch up on things and do things that aren't, aren't tangential to like what our roadmap looks like as far as getting features out. I I know it sounds kind of weird that you know um, I work on the weekends, but I I always explain to like people when they always ask like, well, why do you spend so much time coding and if you followed my story at all, um, the past couple years, when I first got into this, coding was just a hobby for me. And I was doing sales during the day, and I would just learn how to build this app on the side. And it turned out that I ended up getting a job on this. So for me, it still is fun for me to code. It's still fun for me to figure out things and learn new technologies and put things together. I don't really find programming as much work. Some of the other things I do at Netlify, as well as the advocacy and reaching out and getting podcast guests and stuff like that, I feel like that more is work than actual writing code. Um, writing code is actually pretty refreshing for me still. And um, I recommend like, yeah, if, if I mean, if you're doing a job and you don't like it, you should probably find something else. Like if, if it's not something you like doing, like programming is fun. Or if you, if you enjoy programming, but you just don't like enjoying programming outside of work, that's totally fine too. Um, but if you don't enjoy programming at all, then maybe there's like other things you should probably do. So I think I probably have like another few years of hands, like heads down, coding, learning as much as I can. And I think I'll probably, I mean, realistically, I'll probably move on to do something else or maybe do less of a programming role and more of like an outreach or running. But anyway, that's, that's totally side note. I, this week I actually have a, a guest that, um, I feel like I, I don't do a good enough job explaining the reasons I have guests on and where I found these people. So I'm just going to take a little time to explain James Machimo. He's actually a guy 
it, it the way I ran into him, I guess on a serendipitous, I don't know. Um, but the very conference I ever went to is Asian, Asian City Ruby. And at that same conference, James attended. And um, he was pretty new into his programming journey. I think he, he's actually going to full, full sale out in Orlando. Um, and I don't know how far along he was in there, but um, I just ran into him, got to know him, um, got to know who he was. Um, at the time, he lived in Orlando, and I lived in uh, the Tampa area. So I, I didn't really figure I'd run into him again. And then, lo and behold, I ran into him again after I, I accepted a job in Orlando at Isaiah. So um, James is actually pretty active in the uh, the different technical communities, uh, going to a lot of the meetups. Um, he actually used to go to all the Code School meetups, the Orlando Ruby and the JavaScript uh, Orlando um, meetups. So I'd see him all the time. Um, got to know him, and uh, yeah, he actually did work for Code School for a little bit. Now he's working at a boot camp and doing some freelancing on the side. And uh, hopefully, you guys uh, enjoy his story. Um, he's a, a pretty smart dude. Um, I, I have much appreciation uh, with James, especially since he started around the same time I did. And uh, yeah, so hopefully, you enjoy his story, and I will see you on the other end. <laughs> So my name is James Minchemo, and I'm a web developer. Um, I love the web. It's great. Everything about it is awesome. And I wish people, more people understood how great it is. Um, so I started programming at Full Sail University. They sort of snuck it into the curriculum for web design halfway through, and I got hooked. So, yeah, that's how I got my start. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's actually interesting because I actually – cross paths with you at the ancient city ruby um back in 2014 2014 yeah yeah i remember that yeah yeah we ran into each other and uh we got connected and uh yeah and then i basically not knowing at the i guess full sale um for those who don't know uh it's in orlando um in that the greater orlando area and uh at the time i lived in tampa but i ended up taking a job in orlando so then we crossed paths quite a few other times um so yeah, so I wanted to have you on basically because um, I tend to have a lot of people who um, I, I run into um, while my per programming journey was uh, developing. And uh, yeah, so I'm glad you're on and you're here to share more of your story. Yeah, uh, we kind of met each other on, at the beginning of our paths. So I was still at Full Sail and I think you um, was uh, working at Isaiah when I saw you again in Orlando. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so tell me about Full Sail. Um, it's like a web design curriculum or what, what, what was it called? So it's called web design and development. So the first half of the degree was graphic design. And then the last half was had an emphasis on programming. So halfway through, I started um, doing some scripting in ActionScript. So that was actually my first programming language. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not really something to brag about these days because, you know, yeah. Adobe isn't, Adobe Flash isn't really a thing anymore. But that was like my starting point for when I began programming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess Act ActionScript is the, the backbone for, for Flash, which is kind of no longer in existence in most parts of the web. I guess it's still kind of lingering in some places. I don't see it. Yeah anywhere uh at all these days but uh it was definitely useful for getting a grasp of like co uh, programming concepts um so uh, i really got into object-oriented programming and i saw that was you know possible with ruby so uh, ruby was very attractive um at the time so i kind of like started tinkering with that while i was at full sale 
like that wasn't even part of the curriculum and I kind of like moved in that direction. Cool. And then from my understanding, so full sale, um, the way they do the curriculum, they, you kind of get it to touch a lot of different aspects of programming. So how's it, how's it differ between like a computer science degree, I guess that like, let's say UCF. Well, I would say that they don't really focus on a lot of theory. Uh, a lot of it is, is, um, like hands-on uh, projects. Like every week we had a project to kind of fulfill. And it was like as if we were doing a project for a client and we had to, to make sure that we had our submissions on time. And they would like incorporate um, little programming tasks, uh, tasks along the way. So towards the end of the degree, you kind of put all those skills together and you're able to come out with the final project. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. So then, so post full sale, um, what happened after that? I guess you, well, eventually you found your way, your way to code school and you worked for them for a couple of years. Right. Yeah. Uh, code school, um, before code school, I was just kind of like, uh, floating around in, the, the tech community, um, space, like in Orlando, cause it was kind of like a thing to do to go to meetups and meet people who are doing the things, um, doing programming things basically. I just did it casually just because I thought it was fun. It was like, all right, let me see what the people in the Linux community is doing. So I would go to Linux meetups. I would go to Ruby meetups. Sometimes I would go to design meetups to see what they're up to. And it just kind of like helped me in my um, in my journey, like learning everything that has to do with the web. Cool. So how did you get connected with Code School then? So Code School, uh, they actually would to several betas in town. They're actually in Orlando. And yeah. uh, I was very familiar with um, their their platform. And also, um, in, like as I was learning Ruby and Rails, um, they were super helpful. Um, there weren't like a lot of resources at the time. And I remember using their site a lot, you know, for learning web programming. So Whenever I had like things that had to do with Ruby, um, I pretty much went to them, and they were pretty helpful. And they're awesome. They're pretty awesome. They're, they're really great. Yeah, they're actually. I want to. I don't know if they're the backbone of the Orlando um, tech community, but they're pretty prominent. Um, not only do they host a lot of their meetups um, at Code School, um, but they also there's quite a different uh, like the Orlando Tech Week. Uh, some of their events are um, led through some of the guys from Code School. Um, and they do a bit, fair bit of sponsoring the events too. So yeah, they're pretty much everywhere. Right. Um, yeah. Like Greg, Greg Pollock is awesome and he's very supportive of the technical community and startup community of trying to, to help, um, build new businesses in the area. And it's, it's actually been going pretty well. Um, he actually started this um, program called starter studio for people yeah. that wants to do tech in that, in that Orlando scene. Awesome. So, what did you, so while you were at Code School, because um, I found out just before we started the podcast, you no longer are there, but um, while you were at Code School, what sort of things did you work on? So my first gig was while I was at Full Sail. Uh, my first gig was actually working on their Ruby 5 podcast. It was actually on Rails 3, and they needed help to get it onto Rails 4. So I kind of like jumped in there and um, tr did my best to get rails working on rails four for their podcast. And it, it took a few, it took a few months, but eventually, uh, we, we launched it and it's, it's looking great. Um, we still, we're actually still using that, 
podcast now. So awesome. So are the other podcasts they do like the iOS bytes and five JS, are they also rails apps? Right. So like halfway through the project, um, I found out that, you know, we wanted to use, um, like the, the same app for several other podcasts. So, as I was working through it, we actually introduced other podcasts into it. We introduced um, Five Minutes of JavaScript, um, iOS Bytes, and we actually have another one too called um, Front End Five that does um, design oriented podcasting. Okay, very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So while you're there, you did a lot of Rails work. Yeah, uh, a lot of Rails work. work. Yep. And, but actually, um, when I started to work full time there, um, I actually. I started jumping into um, JavaScript testing. So uh, there was a lot of testing um, with JavaScript once I started working at Code School full-time. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, yeah. That's uh, definitely like a, um, a, a tool set. JavaScript testing is something that's not done all the time. Uh, but when you learn it, it's super powerful, um, especially with JavaScript. Like a lot of people complain about Ruby being so dynamic. Um, but JavaScript... The runtime errors sometimes could be pretty confusing. So when you have things like testing, um, it helps to mitigate that 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 weirdness in JavaScript. Yeah, it was a it was a tough learning curve, but you know I eventually was able to like you know um, contribute to the team when it came to um, testing the input to the the console because that that's kind of like how Code School works, where you have um, a set of programming problems and you enter them into the console. And when you enter your answer, you get some sort of feedback to help you uh, as you learn uh, coding. Cool. So then I guess since you're already working on this app, that was like a natural transition for you to also be a, a host on the podcast? Right. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big thing. Um, most of the programmers at Code School, you know, rotate on um, the podcast channel. Um, they kind of like divide it into teams, like the JavaScript people do JavaScript, the, the Rubyists, you know, you know, on Ruby and obviously for iOS, the iOS team is working on there. And also, um, the front end team, you know, they kind of do their thing with the podcast. So, um, yeah, the team's grown quite, a, quite a bit. So they kind of like share the responsibility. Yeah. I know. Um, so while I was in Orlando, I know they were acquired by Pluralsight. Um, they're hiring like crazy the entire time I was in Orlando. Um, how big is the team now? Or when you left, how big was the team? Oh, um, I'd say it's around 50, 50 people. Okay. Around that much. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty large team. Um, I mean, it, it was originally a startup. Like they actually, um, came from the, the envy team. So an envy team is like a small, uh, web, web agency, in Orlando, and they were the people who created Code School as an app, and eventually Code School grew into its own company. And yeah, and it's still going. Wow, awesome! Yeah. So tell me about uh, what you do today. Um, I know you do a bit of freelancing, but you're also involved with a, a local. Um, is it a boot camp or accelerator? Yeah. So it's yeah, book. Yeah, you could call it that um accelerator boot camp uh it's it's a six-month program it's um actually uh it's called ucf boot camp and it actually started over in Rutgers. uh so they had a Rutgers um boot camp 
first for coding, coding bootcamp. And now, you know, with their success, they're expanding to other uh, universities like uh, UCLA, uh, UCF, um, University of Austin. And right now it's pretty much catching on uh, with um, the whole movement of people learning how to code. Cool. And then, so the people who attend this, are these students from these colleges or are these other people from the community? So uh, anyone uh, can sign up for the program. It's not really exclusive for um, people enrolled in the universities. Okay. So it's, it's pretty much a regional, uh, regional thing. So you basically go to the one that's closest to you. Yeah. Cool. And then you said it's six months. So is it like... Um... Front end, back end, full stack, like you just learn how to write web apps. Yeah, so yeah, we start off actually with um, with with Bash. Like they need to learn the command line. Like you know, it's 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 super important, and they have to learn version control, Git, uh, HTML, CSS, and then you know, eventually they go on to to learn JavaScript technologies. Um, every uh, school is different. So I can't really speak for all of them at the same time. They, we all, all have our own curriculums to follow based on what employers um, want, basically, in the area. So they, they do a lot of, they consult with the community in the area before they, you know, create the curriculum to make sure that the, the students there have, um, you know, options to afterwards. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. And how long is it? So I actually, so I worked at a boot camp uh, in SF uh, before I switched over to a new company. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was pretty, I had my finger on the pulse of like boot camps and uh, I saw that this showed up. Um, but how long has it been, been around? Uh, it's wow. Uh, for Orlando, it's, it's only been around since January. Uh, it okay. hasn't been a long, it hasn't been that long at all. But That's yeah, what I Actually, before I started working at, um, you know, like code school, I was actually, um, you know, thinking about doing the boot camp too, just because of the guarantee of having like employment after. I wasn't sure, like, you know, that if you know I was, you know, ready for the workforce because you really don't know. Like as a developer learning, like you don't know that threshold. Like, all right, am I ready now? Like, there's really no one to tell you, like, hey, yeah, you can start developing. You can go right ahead. But, um, yeah, the people at Code School were pretty confident. They were like, yeah, you know, um, you've shown some pretty, you know, good skills, like, you know, developing the app, um, the Ruby 4 app on your own. And that was pretty much what got me my work. And also side projects, you know, those helped too. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true because, you know, not a lot of people, like, while you're programming on your own app and you're doing your own thing, like, it's, it's one thing. Um, but like you always have, I guess what everybody throws around the term imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. Whether it exists or whatever it doesn't or what sort of like level it exists in. Um, yeah, it's, real. it's, it's like, yeah, so it's, it's there. So you, so you never know until you actually do it. And I think uh, I've met so many other people. I've actually met people with computer science degrees out here in the Bay area who are doing like lower, like technical, not even DevOps, just like it server management, right. like simple bash scripting. And then, they understand computer science, have the degree, but they're like, "Oh, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could. I don't think I could work at Google because I, you know, I don't know everything they know." But it's like, 
you don't know until you then you know exactly like, yeah. yeah i've actually yeah, so. met a few people who work at that companies and they said the same thing like you really just have to apply you know you can't like disqualify yourself and say like oh well it's not gonna work out for me if i if i try uh, you kind of yeah. just have to put yourself out there and you know jump into it to see what happens yeah it's cool it's like to your point earlier you mentioned that you were attending these different meetups you know just trying to see what you what you liked and what other people were doing in the industry like even the design you were attending design meetups to fight. I don't think you have a design background, but you were attending just to like know what was going on. Yeah, actually, um, I started like with a design back to background. Like, um, okay, uh, that was like my major uh, for the longest. Before I kind of like just didn't do it. I was like, I, I felt like computers, computer science, not computer science, but like computer related fields were more attractive. Uh, to do than graphic design, so I kind of moved from graphic design into into web. But okay, I think they're cool. like super related. Like you really can't have one without the other because of how super visual web is. Yeah, that's that's true. I think uh, those designers don't really necessarily have to know how to code. It really enhances their their ability to be a designer for the web, um, and I think vice versa. I think for like now I'm doing a lot more front end stuff in my today job. Um, nice. it, it definitely enhances like me understanding like basic de uh, design concepts and like just making things, making sure things align and like looking at other apps. Like I, I do a, a bit of iOS at the moment and like, I am so dumb when it comes to iOS, like front end stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but all I do is just open up another app I like and just look at their stuff and be like, Oh, I see. I like how they do this. Like whoever designed this, knew what they're doing let me just i guess quote unquote copy um, <laughs> their form of designing no well yeah copy is, is programmers are not shy of copying like that's just you know how um learning works you just have to kind of like see how other people do things and then kind of like you know take that and do what you will with it and you know that's what i love about open source like you know you kind of like i feel like it took me this long to become a programmer because I really didn't have access to open source tools. Like, I feel like if I had open source tools, um, like early on in my life, like I would have been a programmer much earlier. So, um, that, I mean, who knows, but that's my perspective on it. Like, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, the, all of the, the advancement in web technology it's been on the back of open source. Right. Just being and, able to uh, inspect, like, look at the source code of uh, websites and see, like, oh, well, let's, I see the HTML there and I see the how the CSS works, you know. And, you know, just tinkering, like, with those tools, like, helps you learn what you need to, what you need to know. Yeah, and it even goes to, like, even sharing, too. Like, I was just in a React training last week mm -hmm. um, at Pinterest, and they basically explain we we spent about 30 to 40 minutes talking about infinite scroll and how that could be implemented in react and like the different ways of implementing in jquery implementing it in ember and then we implemented it in react wow. and we just like talk yeah we just talked about it and it's like all those all those solutions were all available to us open sourced so someone like basically solved this problem and then shared it and i think that's what helps advance the web i think uh um when did you graduate uh full sale Let's see. It was like maybe, yeah, two years ago. So it's okay. 2014. Yeah, yeah. It was like around that time, in November. Okay, so yeah, you're fairly new to the industry, but like yeah, super new. I'm like yeah. So like 
<laughs> yeah, uh, well, I'm in the same boat. <laughs> but uh, so like with the web, like let's just take Ruby on Rails, for example. Ruby on Rails was like super innovative because they took all these different concepts and packaged it up into a framework. Um, but what's really different is that everybody was bailing from PHP and Java to join this Ruby on Rails com uh, community and basically bad-talking everything that happened previously. <laughs> yeah. So the, f the first five years of Ruby on Rails was basically reinventing the same concepts everybody already knew. And I think we're at the point where around Rails is super mature, uh, and now everybody's like questioning whether or not Rails is the future, where Rails is dying. And I think Rails actually is on the cusp of actually starting to solve some more problems. Um, they basically solved every problem everybody else already solved. Now it's looking forward, things like Action Cable, which is WebSockets has been around for a while, but their take on Action Cable, it might be subpar a bit for what you could do with like Socket.io, but they're starting to solve like problems like for the future. And yeah. I think that's what's exciting about things like React, where they just rethought the entire problem. Yeah, I love. Yeah, I love Rails, but I have to admit that they don't really lead as far as like you know, at a technological aspect, they don't really um, create any. They don't like create like new solutions to problems. They kind of like take the best practices from different communities and they all put it together to solve their own problems. Um, what I like about Rails is like pretty much the the meta aspect of it, where it's just like you can actually take you know other pre other people's solutions to problems and apply it to yourself. And yeah, and if you kind of like follow like the way that Basecamp kind of like models their 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 company, like I think you're on the right track of like building something uh, awesome. Yeah. So, so do you uh, tinker with anything besides Rails? Um, do you? I guess you, you had a chance to try other languages while you're in full sail. Are you doing any of the language uh, development now? Um, I'm always, um, yeah, I'm always like playing with other la languages. Um, uh, like while I was at full full sail, I was like playing with music languages. Um, well, of course, JavaScript and PHP. Actually, there was actually this, there was this one class that I did at full sail where we kind of like dabbled in like five languages in a month and it was just like really eye-opening to see how you know you can actually take your concepts and, and move to another um, programming language if you want to so um, right now I would say that um, I'm playing with um, Elixir, um, Clojure, uh, what else, Rust, they, all these these programming languages are installed on my computer I kind of like have fun seeing how things work and tinkering, see how I can apply them to my own problems. And uh, they're all fun. Yeah. Have you tried the, uh, you mentioned music. Have you tried the Clojure? It's like a library someone built to make music with Clojure. Oh, right, right. I uh, can't remember. There's a framework. Um, can't remember off the top of my head. Um, it is a framework. It's over... Yeah. Um, yeah, it's called Overtone. Yeah, it's like a okay. Yeah, yeah, it's like a collaborative programmable music uh, environment, so that you can kind of like script your um, with MIDI, uh, MIDI signals, and also with um, um, audio waves as well. So it's it's a pretty cool tool. I like it a lot. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, I um I read through the documentation. I never got into closure as of yet. Mm -hmm. um, 
my whole I guess approach to programming language thus far has been like started with Ruby, um, then I moved to a little bit of Python and um, JavaScript. So I've done like a lot of C based things C. and I do Go, uh, Go things as well. I haven't tried Go um, yet. I should. Yeah, yeah. If you if you understand a bit of C and like it's more Pythony mm -hmm. than, uh, but it's also it's there's no abstractions, so it's a little it's... a little more verbose, I guess. Oh yeah. But it's super interesting, super intriguing stuff. But I haven't got into any like Lisp based like closure or anything like that yet. Yeah, I kind of got into Lisp because of Ruby. Um, I kind of understand that Ruby has like a combination of of other programming paradigms, and one of them includes Lisp. Um, can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah. And Smalltalk was the other um, big influence for Ruby. Smalltalk, well. Perl. Um, yeah, all those concepts kind of like helped what made Ruby. And uh, as as I'm learning all these languages, I'm like kind of curious like where these you know ideas come from. So I'm kind of like going backwards. I'm like, all right, I need to, need to understand like why Lisp is a thing. Like, why is it like in the, a programming language that people like to use? So I mean, actually, I discovered like Lisp isn't that popular at all. It's like it's not. It's like you don't really find a lot of people using Lisp, but. I'm just curious enough to just try it out and see what I can do with it. Yeah, I, I think I take it looks like if you look at programming like food and for a while like growing up I ate a lot of like packaged stuff, microwavable stuff, and I love food. And then when I grew up and actually could afford to buy real like good food, mm -hmm. then I started really thinking about, oh, how do they make this salad or how do they make this hamburger? I can make this at home. And you start like really investigating like the different ingredients and combining it. So like what I'm getting at is basically cooking could be just like programming. Yeah. At just, first, like you start with like something like a Ruby or a rails and like you just learn how to do stuff and learn how to consume it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually you start breaking, if you start breaking it down and understanding like why did rails get made? <laughs> why is Python a thing? Like why is JavaScript a thing? What was, what did JavaScript look like 10 years ago? Yeah. I just ran into um, that. Like just, not, just, just this morning. Uh, like I learned how veganese was, was made. Like, um, I just recently, um, became vegan and I'm like curious about like recipes and how to make things. And I found, I find that veganese is like super expensive. Like I'm, I'm like wondering what's in veganese. Like, and I discovered that it's actually, um, you can make your own at home with just, um, silken, um, tofu. And you kind of like mash okay. that up with like mustard and, um, vinegar, and a d bunch of other ingredients and you kind of mix it together and eventually you come up with the veganese um, mix. And yeah, I, I guess it, you know, like, like that mentality of like hacking, hacking kind of like leaks over into other things that you do too. Oh yeah. And like, what's cool about programming is like, we're just like bottom line is trying to understand like why things are the way they are made. Like I no longer do I open up an app on my iPhone or look at a, something on the web and like, I always like look at it like, oh, I could do this. Oh, I know how they did this. And like just like analyze everything. Yeah, you at least ask yourself like, all right, uh, how, do, how or why does this work, you know? So. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Uh, so you try out that, um, well, you probably go to Ethos a lot down there. On, um, oh, yeah, Ethos is awesome. Um, there are quite a other places, quite a few other places that have opened up. Um, there's uh, Market on South. They have Dixie Dharma. They have like the best sandwiches. Yep. They're, they're great. So, 
Yeah, and I think uh, Tuesday nights they have the food truck and they do um, the vegan hot dog cart. Yeah, vegan hot hot dog cart. Yeah, that yeah. it's sometimes you see that downtown. Um, yeah, we're at the market. Yeah, Orlando's great for food. Like they, yeah, it's the best food anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, that's yeah. now we're getting like we're talking about, <laughs> talking about Orlando. Orlando. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was like super. I lived in. I grew up in Tampa, and I was like, I knew of Orlando, like Disney and Universal. But when I moved there, like a whole another world opened up for me. Where, like, I would love like Taco Chino over there on. Um, uh, I forgot the name of the road, but like fiftieth. Yeah, it's on Mills. Mills. Mills that's what it was. Yeah. yeah, coming back to me. But yeah, that was like one of my favorite restaurants, and it was like, it was like one of the first restaurants someone ex- like told me to go to. And I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, go there. Yeah, yeah. Orlando's growing. There's like restaurants popping up like every few uh, every few months. There's like new restaurants to try out, and it's all great food. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So like, explain to me. So the tech community in Orlando, um, I know how it is, but for the listeners, can you explain? Is it super vibrant or is it like active? Like, how would you explain it? Yeah, I would say it's it's super active, um, especially in JavaScript community. Since, you know, that is pretty much like, you know, where most of the, the, the workforce is just people building things in JavaScript, which is, which is great. I mean, um, uh, out, what would you say is the, the, the climate in, on the West Coast? Do you think it's like maybe React is the thing that people, most people are learning? Yeah, so I could basically like put my finger on the pulse based on the meetups I go to yeah. and like how popular they're attended. So when I first moved out here, Rails was still pretty popular. Um, the meetup itself was like pretty much full um, every time I went, though I've noticed it's kind of waned a bit. Um, it's not as full as it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, the main reason for why it's full is because there's so many Rails boot camps out here in the Bay Area uh. that a, a lot of the people who are learning Rails just off the bat are now going to the boot camp. So that's basically what's keeping Rails alive. I see. Um, is all the new, new developers coming through. Okay. Um, but as far as like popularity i would say javascript is definitely huge if you know javascript you can basically go anywhere you want whether it's the back end or the front end um as long as you know a bit of the syntax and you know what you can do with it um you're pretty much good to go so those those meetups there's there's like two node meetups just like specifically node meetups that happen mm-hmm. um one run one's run by some of the founders of the node foundation um all right but we also have like npm out here as well and um nice so that's pretty popular. Then we have the React meetup is like, um, as soon as it, it's unveiled, like they usually, when the invites go out, it's usually booked within 30 minutes, like 200 people. Oh, wow. Um, and it's not many spaces that hold as many people. So that's probably the most popular um, meetup that I've attended, um, other than like Swift. Um, the Swift meetups kind of like slow down a bit, only because they do it every other week. Um, but Swift is pretty popular as well. But oh, and Go, Go as well is like super popular. Those that's another popular meetup here. Yeah, yeah, that's something that I would recommend doing for most people starting out in programming or web. Like just get out there and meet other people that are you know doing the things that you might think you want to do too. So um, everyone is yeah. super helpful. Like it doesn't matter what community that you um, go to. Like if if you genuinely want to learn, um, people will sense it in you, and they'll go out of their way to help you. Yeah, yeah, that's some great advice for sure. Yeah, um, starting to miss 
my time in Orlando, I know it was pretty short. I was only there for like a year. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an awesome community to be a part of. I mean, not only are there tons of meetups, there's tons of events. Orlando Tech Week, I think, happens twice a year now, which is super awesome week. And then they've got tons of like accelerators, like startup, um, code school startup. What was it called again? Uh, are you talking about uh, Starter Studio? Starter Studio, yeah. yeah. They've got that. They've got a couple other ones, small ones, which is, um, yeah, super helpful. Yeah, sure. it's definitely a great place for programmers to apply their skills to uh, to startups because those are the uh, tech startups definitely need, you know, developers. and Or, you know, you might even want to uh, pitch your own idea and start up and do it on your own. I mean, I think that's what Rails is built for. It's like building your own bootstrapped company and, you know, creating your own kind of business. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, I'm, not, I'm not even sure, but I'm not sure if um, JavaScript lends itself to that. Like, um, it's just, it doesn't have that culture in my opinion where it's like you could just bootstrap your own um, business and just take off like um, Basecamp did. No, no, I think that's one nice thing about Rails. If you're going to start something and you just want to learn one thing, Rails definitely does that really well. Uh, JavaScript is, there's a lot that comes with learning JavaScript. There's a lot of learning, a lot of understanding, like what what's wrong with JavaScript, what's right with JavaScript. Um, with Rails, you, you're basically, basically you're on the Rails. Yeah, you're, um, you're on the Rails, yeah. And literally, you're just like, you're on a one track. Like if you want to do some templates, this is how you do it. If you want to make stuff talk to the database, this is how you do it. Like with JavaScript, you have to choose. I actually started a project uh, six months ago in job full stack JavaScript, and we had a Postgres database, and we had to decide how are we going to interact with the the data because like we're we were basically spoiled with Active Record. Yeah, Active Record and, is awesome. I think like yeah. it's great. Uh, as of now, I was not able to find something that I liked as much as Active Record, as much as like the abstractions of Active Record, and people complain about it. Um, as far as usability and just like pulling up the console and looking at data um by far it's like the easiest to understand yeah it does um, force you into you know a, a certain way of thinking you know with objects and, and things like that but yeah um yeah if you i mean you're you're free to do whatever you want with like any programming language but rails pretty much is it gives you a guide to follow and um, I feel like the web is still the wild, wild west. You know, you just, you can do what, anything and whatever you want. And Rails just gives you kind of like convention where you don't really don't find much of it anywhere else. Yeah, so true. Well, James, uh, I'm going to have to end it there because we're coming up against uh, the time limit. But uh, I just want to thank you again for coming on. Uh, I'm sharing a bit of your story and um, chatting a bit about Orlando with me. Yeah, thanks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I miss you out here. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know when I'm going to make it back over there, but uh, yeah, if I ever get back over there, we need to do coffee. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, at, uh, at the Credo. Yeah, Credo coffee is great. <laughs> yeah, I'll see you around. Awesome. So that's James. Um, go ahead and follow him on Twitter, James underscore Mishimo, and uh, I'll have that in the show notes uh, for the spelling. And um, we kind of got into a little um, <laughs> circle about talking about Orlando, I think surprisingly Orlando was actually an awesome place to live um I'm not sure if I'll ever move back um just because I don't have like as far as Florida goes I don't have any family in Orlando the only people I know are just friends I made in the year I lived there um 
but yeah, it's it's definitely a great place to look visit. If you do go to Orlando, I highly recommend not just stay in the Universal Disney area, but to check out the downtown area. The downtown area is actually pretty vibrant. There's a lot of art schools and uh, colleges out there. Um, so a lot of the artistic um, overflow runs into Orlando. Uh, most people end up working at like Universals or the Disney's of the world. But um, yeah, Orlando is a really cool city that gets neglected due to the fact that there's large theme parks surrounding it. Um, but yeah, check that out. Check out next yeah. week for the podcast. I've got um, some other people, actually another Orlando guest um, coming up next week. And uh, yeah, I'm just going to keep showing up every week. Uh, apologies for showing this one uh, just a couple days late. But, um, you know, I, I try to do my best uh, to get these things out and getting them edited. And um, as far as the other podcast, it's still in limbo at the moment. I'm just about to record a third episode and we're going to roll out the episodes um, on a weekly basis. So uh, just stay tuned for that. Um, the, it's the podcast I'm working on for Netlify. And um, other than that, I will see you guys next time.